Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host. As always, welcome to the podcast. Well, in today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about Article 338, uh, which is dealing with service entrance cable, type SEU, type SER, as well as USE. And we'll look at the differences here. Um, a lot of people have sent me emails and a lot of calls have asked me, where are the uses that we would see a use of an SEU versus an SER? And again, how it equates to USE in general and the differences. So I figured we'd do a little bit of a discussion on, again, service entrance cable, type SEU, type SER, and of course, USE and how they all work together. But before we do that, we want to mention our sponsor. Again, for all those neat t-shirts and mugs and and specialized master electrician or inspector or engineering stickers and and, uh, phone cases and all that. So we're going to run that commercial, and then we will pick up the show after that. Today's show is sponsored by electricianpride.com. Your one-stop shop for electrician-specific t-shirts, hoodies, phone cases, mugs, die-cut stickers, leggings, and so much more. Featuring unique designs for electricians, journeymen, and master electricians, as well as electrical engineers and electrical inspectors. For more information on all the products that are available, visit us at www.electricianpride.com today. All right, so again... Electrician Pride, in all fairness, is uh, an affiliate of Electrical Code Academy Incorporated. So it's our division that has all of our logos and wear and 
leggings and hoodies and sweatshirts, t-shirts of different types, 50-50 blends, 100% cottons, whatever. Has our Tesla logos, has our neat Ohms wheel that is unique to us. We have an Ohms wheel with my little dude in the middle of it. Check it out. It looks awesome on a t-shirt. I'm actually wearing one today. So check them out, electricianpride.com. All right, so today we're talking about service entrance cable. And the first thing we want to notice is in the National Electrical Code, and of course we're talking 2020 edition, but we're also going to just talk in general, the uses of the type of products. Uh, We always want to make sure we understand the scope of Article 338 as well as you would with any different article because understanding the scope really makes sure that you're working within the right article, okay? Obviously, we're talking cables, so, you know, we're in Chapter 3, but it's always good to to, to get that that, uh, mentality of always checking the scope to make sure that whatever you're looking up in the code, you're in the right area, okay? You don't want to waste a lot of time. So the scope is dot one, uh, part of part one, which is general of Article 338. It says this article covers the use, installation, and construction specifications of service entrance cable. Now, the construction part is uh, part three, and that's pretty much going to be taken up by the manufacturer. So don't have to spend a whole lot of time on that, obviously. Uh, the manufacturers will, will take care of that. Uh, and it gets tested, and you'll notice that it is listed. Um, and it, it's required to be listed by 338.6, which is basically listing requirements. And it is listed. Interesting enough, before we even get into this, uh, I do get a lot of questions that, that people ask about service entrance cable. Um, now, service entrance cable falls under the UL standard, which is a UL ANSI standard, by the way. Um, and and we're talking a little different than the NRTL UL that actually does evaluation of product from manufacturer's perspective. When a manufacturer creates an SC cable, service entrance cable, uh, they have to create it using the guidelines that are in UL 854. Now, once they create it and follow those guidelines and then do all the testing and other UL standards like UL 2556, uh, things like that, once they do that, or 1581 and all that, once that's done, then it gets NRTL, Nationally Recognized Testing Laboratory, uh, evaluated. And that's when you get to put the mark on there so that you, the consumer, get to see that it actually is a listed product. It was listed and verified and, and all this goodies stuff from a third party. And again, you know, UL is not the only game in town. There's ETL, there's FM, there's, gosh, uh, there's, there's there's a bunch of them, and they're all available from the OSHA website. You can go to the OSHA website and, and find all of the uh, current NRTLs. Um, two prominent ones are going to probably be UL and Intertech, uh, which is has an ETL mark. So they're probably going to be the two most prominent, but there's plenty of others out there. Okay, You just got to go look them up. So, again, you don't have to be looking for just one manufacturer. There, there are others out there. Now, some are more well-known than others, and again, that's, that's the norm. But again, there's other options out there, okay? So I just don't want you to shy away from a product just because you might not see the UL mark, okay? Uh, there's other marks to be aware of that is just equivalent. Now, I argue whether or not some people say whether or not one's better than the other. I'm not going to get into that. As far as the standards go, they're equivalent, so we're going to accept them as that way, right? 
Okay, when we look at service entrance cable, you'll notice that it says under the definitions, it says, what is service entrance cable? It says a single conductor or multi-conductor cable provided with an overall covering primarily used for services and of the following types. So you've got type SE, which is just a general term. And of course, you have style U and style R, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you have SE which is generally going to have a jacketing, a sheathing, uh, an overall covering, if you will. And then, of course, it has USC. And USC is a service entrance cable. However, it might be a single conductor. It still would be a USE-2, and it's typically it's a cable. Now, creates a lot of people in, in confusion about that because, again, it is in Article 338. So 338 is talking about cables. So USE can be obviously a cable, okay? So again, all of that gets done under ULA 54, uh, but depending on what it's rated for, it could also be a single insulated conductor as well. So, all right, so any any rate, looking at the two, SE cable, just the typical gray sheathed cable. You'd have two conductors and more often than not a helical wrapped uh, third conductor, which is you know, wrapped around the two conductors and kind of looks like a flat assembly. Um, And then, of course, you take all of those strands together and you twist them together at termination, and you basically are creating your own conductor to terminate. Uh, In an SE style U, for example, it's just going to have three conductors. It's going to have the two insulated and the one uninsulated that wraps around the entire assembly. Uh, And then, of course, they'll put a fiberglass wrap around that, and then, of course, then it's going to be sheathed. So a lot of people ask about that fiberglass wrap. The fiberglass wrap is called a binder, and it is really to keep the sheathing material from, uh, you know, thermoplastic sheathing material, uh, PVC, from sinking down into the interstices and really not looking like a very uh, uh, uniform product. It also, because it is applicable for use in a wet location outside, above ground, you don't want to have that because it won't seal real well with the fitting. And, of course, it could allow moisture intrusion into it. So, And it's the whole purpose of using a fitting that is listed to work with the SE cable in order to keep moisture out. Because it is above ground exterior product. That's the type SE. Now, that's the other question that people bring up. Can I install type SE, whether it's the U style or the R? And R just stands for round. And the U, if anybody wanted to know, it's kind of gone around in circles about what it means. But the U is uh, unguarded, okay? So it is basically U, but it does not mean underground, okay? So type S-E-U does not mean, the U does not mean underground installation, okay? It's it's unguarded. uh, So it is basically a above-ground wet location. But, of course, it can be installed interiorly as well. So we'll, we'll cover kind of cover all that. So the R, the R stands for, just as simple as it sounds, round. It's going to be four conductors, okay? Two hots, your neutral, and your equipment grounded conductor for use downstream of the service equipment um, or downstream from a feeder panel if you're feeding something like ranges or dryers, which require that they have the four conductors, so you have the separate equipment ground versus, and, and the ground did, uh, in this case, being used as a neutral, 
there's a separation down that has to take place at the device, okay? No differently than you would have to do that for a feeder distribution panel. You have to separate the grounded versus the grounding, okay? Totally another episode, but that's a grounding and bonding thing. But again, we don't want to have a violation of 250.24A5, uh, okay? All right, anyway, so let's get back to the topic. So the difference in SE versus USE is that USE can be placed in an underground installation, whether they're installed individually or it's plexed, twisted together to make an assembly like maybe like a URD, Underground Residential Distribution, okay, or UDC, Underground Distribution Cable. Uh, Basically, they're twisted together or plexed. Doesn't mean you have to, but that's typically how you would get it. And you'll notice that when you look on the markings, on the URDs or UDCs or whatnot, you'll notice that on the markings it'll say USE, and more prominently, probably uh, USE-2 will will stick out. That's be that'll be what you see on there. But it also more than often than not will have multiple ratings on it. So it might not be just USE-2. It'll be USE-2RHH or RHW-2 as well. Now you ask yourself, why would you have a conductor? that's going to have all those ratings on it. Well, you know, the National Electrical Code says point blank uh, that you can't use. Use is not permitted, okay? It tells you that you cannot use it as interior wiring. In fact, if you look at the National Electrical Code under 338.12b, it tells you use is not permitted. The first one is for interior wiring. So the only way that you could utilize it in an interior application so that it doesn't just become a one-use or one-off product, a USE or USE-2 that sits on a shelf only for exterior use, if you test it to meet all the standard requirements in UL-854, but then you also test it for RHH RHW-2 under UL-44 and all the subsequent UL-2556 tests and 1581 tests and flame tests and you do everything, then it can also be used inside of a building. Now, granted, the big difference is it needs to be in a raceway, okay, if it's run inside of a building, RHH, RHW, that's an insulated conductor, which is also classified in many cases as a cable assembly. Again, you can have single insulated conductors and you can have uh, single conductor cables. Okay, probably a different episode to, to get into the details and the water, muddy waters of that, Uh, And really starts to rear its head when you look at 392 for cable trays. But at the end of the day, one can be buried, one cannot. And a USE cannot come inside of a building unless, of course, it has these multiple ratings. And what that means is you can choose at a transition point, which could be the, the, the wall of the structure where it goes from being a USE all of a sudden to an RHH RHW-2. The only difference is once it makes that transition, it needs to be in a raceway, okay? So of some, tor- of some type. Um, now, of course, the benefit uh, of, you know, things like the USE is it obviously can be buried um, below grade. It's typically USE uh, is not for above grade installations, Okay, except for the point where it emerges, obviously, from grade. You have to make a transition, okay? But for normal applications, you would not install USE uh, above ground in a raceway. Unless, of course, 
it has multiple ratings. And today, most of the manufacturers are going to multiple rate it anyway. I mean, nobody really wants to buy USC-2 that they can't also transition into a building. So it's just a matter of having it tested in order to get that flame retardant property placed on it. And it just, it just bumps up the rating to give it multiple ratings. Uh, utility folks still like the USC-2 by itself, but that's for exterior use only from the, say, pad-mounted transformer or from a pole-mounted transformer down through a riser underground up to a meter location. Then, you know, that's outside of the building. Perfectly fine to stay USC-2, and it can transition. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. From being directly in the ground into a raceway up into a meter system, uh, whether it's single meter or a meter stack or whatnot. So, I mean, there's still a market for that. But in many cases, it's nice to have the multiple ratings, right? Now, transitioning back to an SE cable, whereas it's typically the gray, you've seen it. It's typically used for residential. It doesn't always have to be just for residential, right? But you got to remember that in the permitted uses for that type of product, it's ultimately going to send you back to meet all of the requirements for interior installation. Uh, It's going to end up sending you back to to meet the rules that you would have for non-metallic sheet cable anyway. So things like that. So you have to be careful of its use, but it's usable in other applications. So we'll kind of dig into this a, a little bit. Now, when we talk about service entrance conductor assembly, which is actually a new definition for the 2020 edition of the National Electrical Code, brings a little bit of clarity to possibly the differences between an SE cable versus a USE type of system. It says service entrance conductor assembly. It says multiple single insulated conductors twisted together without an overall covering other than an optional binder Intended only to keep the conductors together. Okay, so this is what picks up on that assembly, like um, a URD uh, or UDC of those applications like that. Okay, so there's multiple single insulated conductors that are twisted together, kind of plexed, okay, without an overall covering. So that's where you get the individual conductors that are twisted together that are that don't have the extruded jacket over it. So that's going to pick up those assemblies like the URD, UDCs, and things like that. Uh, and so it's really important to have that, that definition uh, and, and clarify it. 
Now, of course, 338.6 is requiring all SE cables, whether it's USC or SE style U style R, all of those are going to have to be listed. Okay, so the manufacturer will go through their process, they'll list the product and put the little mark on there, pay a great amount of money for this little mark every so many feet, and then you get the comfort of looking at it knowing, hey, it's listed. Perfectly fine. And, of course, you want to use listed fittings as well. Okay, You want to make sure the fittings are listed for use with a Type SC or USC. Uh, so just want to make sure that. Now, typically with a USC, you're not going to have an individual fitting. Uh, it's going to come in transition and transition into a raceway. And then, of course, that's going to have a fitting that's designed and listed for that raceway system. Okay, so it's a transition there. But when it comes to SC cable, and you got to have a specific fitting, okay, and it's evaluated. And they make different ones. They make ones for the round SER, and they make the ones for the more flat-style SEU. Another question that people come up with and say, as a manufacturer, could you, instead of doing the helical-wrapped type of uh, neutral on an SEU, because that's typically what it is from the transformer down to the panel that that bear is actually the neutral now if you use that seu downstream of the main service then you're using that to things like maybe an air handler or something that doesn't have a neutral okay because you have to have insulated neutrals so uh downstream of the panel they have to be insulated not so much on the supply side because that's why you see a messenger style neutral that's exposed but on the load side we need those neutrals because they are going to carry current they have to be insulated. So in a normal SEU, you've got the two insulated and you've got the one helical wrapped bear. Um, that's not insulated. It's covered, but it's not insulated. Uh, and it has to be insulated. Um, so where would you use that? Well, if it's got two ungrounded conductors and you've got that bear, which can be used as an equipment ground, then I can go to a load, let's say, that's only a 240-volt load that has no neutral, then I'm perfectly fine because I've got my two hots and I've got my equipment ground. So there's still a use for it. And it doesn't have to be used just as service equipment. It can be utilized as a branch circuit. In many cases, it is utilized as a branch circuit. Now, very rarely is it ever utilized as a feeder, okay? Um, the, the, the rare exception to that m- might be, no, I'm not even going to go there. So, Usually, if we're dealing with a feeder, it's going to be an SER, okay? SEUs typically are going to be on the supply side of the service disconnection means, or it's going to be used as a branch circuit. Now, I guess theoretically, if you had a feeder application that did not have, you were feeding a panel downstream that did not have neutral loads, but it did have other loads in there that were 240 volt, uh, and there was no need for neutral, uh, which is permittable uh, to do, um, then you might be able to have it as a feeder that way but again i didn't want to go too deep into that because typically we're always going to run feeders with the you know with the neutral in it not always but you know for the most part so we won't go deep into that unless you listeners want me to on a later episode i can talk about all the locations where you might run uh, feeders that don't have a neutral or brand circuits that don't have a neutral anyway so there you go that's you know that's what we're dealing with when it comes to the uses of, of an SEU. Now, SERs, for example, and I'm kind of jumping back and forth a little bit. Um, SER, four conductors. Okay, typically, let's say you had 
a, a panel, uh, a meter outside and you hit the service disconnect, you know, you got those changes that are coming in the 2020 NEC for one and two family dwellings that require the service disconnect to be outside. Well, once you hit that service disconnect, then you change over to a feeder that might be feeding an interior panel. Um, if they're not all exterior, I'm just using example, uh, then that would be a feeder. And that would be an example where you could use SER and you've got the four conductors, two hot to neutral and an equipment ground. So you have that separation on the load side of the service disconnection means. So that's an example of an SER use. But what other examples would we use in SER? Well, you know, you've got ranges and you've got um, uh, dryers, which could use non-metallic sheath cable, which you can get, obviously, in a uh, like a 6.3 with ground or uh, something like that, 8.3 with ground, depending. But you, nothing says that you can't use an SE cable for that as well. So you do have other options, so you can price your options uh, and how that that works out for you. Uh, And it's perfectly fine to do that. So there's other options for that. I mean, basically, I can use an SER or any piece of equipment that would need two hots and a neutral um, would be perfectly fine. Now, could I use an SEU on a load that might be 120-volt load, even though it's got two blacks in there? Absolutely. If it's four-gauge and larger, then I can re-identify uh, the, one of the black conductors as a as a um, grounded conductor, and we get those benefits in two hundred point seven. So there's there's applications that that I could do things with. So I think the notion that SE cables, service entrance cable, is only used in services is kind of a faux pas, if you will, in the industry. Uh, but it you know, many people use it. In fact, a lot of my applications uh, in the day to ranges and dryers and things like that. Well, not so much dryers, but the ranges, it was just so much easier to use uh, SER for that application. The other benefit that I might as well you know, point out is typically when you're dealing with the, the understanding of ampacities and when you have to use the 60 versus maybe the listing of the SE cable as 75 for like an SER then you get into some of the nuances when it's being used as a brand circuit or feeder inside of a building, and then that takes us to B, uh, B4. And I'll talk about that in a, in a second. So we want to talk about uses permitted a little bit, but um, we'll, get, we'll dig deep into that a little bit. With that said, let's go on and dig into 338.10 uses permitted. Now, it says A, service entrance conductors, service entrance cable, shall be permitted to be used as service entrance conductors and shall be installed in accordance with 230.6, 230.7, and Part 2, 3, and 4 of Article 230. Of course, you know, all of these aspects of 230 is dealing with services, um, and 230.6 and 230.7 are basically talking about the same, the concepts where, and we'll go back and look at it so that we can kind of, expand on it. So again, this is making reference to conductors considered outside of a building. Obviously, if the SE cable is run on the outside wall, then it hadn't penetrated the building yet. Okay. Okay. And of course, 230.7 is to remind you that the service conductors cannot be installed in the same raceway, and that would include a wireway with other types of conductors like feeders or branch circuits. Okay. And so just a reminder there, of, of where they can be utilized. Now, the biggest one that we want to deal with 
because we already know it's services. We want to deal with 338.10b, which is for branch circuits or feeder applications. Uh, number one, it says the grounded, and remember, we're talking about now for use downstream of the service equipment. We're talking about for use as a branch circuit or feeder. It says grounded conductor insulated. It says the SC service entrance cable shall be permitted in wiring systems where all of the circuit conductors of the cable are of the thermal set, although thermoplastic type. So when we say circuit conductors, there's also a lot of people that get confused in that. Equipment grounding conductors are not circuit conductors. They're grounding conductors. They're bonding conductors. They're, they're not to be considered circuit conductors. So your grounded and ungrounded are circuit conductors. Um, and so when we're talking about circuit conductors, that's what we're talking about, okay? Your, your hots, your blacks, your reds, your blues, your, your grays, your whites, and things like that. Those are circuit conductors. The equipment grounding portion of it is not considered a circuit conductor. It's very important, very vital, and you have to understand Article 250, but it's not considered a circuit conductor, okay? Uh, the next thing it says, number two, use of an uninsulated conductor. Okay, so this is where we pick up, for example, um, any uninsulated conductors. It says, type SE, service entrance cable, shall be permitted to use where the insulated conductors are used for circuit wiring and the uninsulated conductor is used only for equipment grounding purposes. So we're adding more validity to the fact that it helps you as you learn the code when we talk about circuit conductors to not confuse an equipment grounding conductor in that terminology. It's got a purpose, very vital purpose, uh, and, and everybody knows I harp a lot on proper grounding and bonding. It is different, okay? Um, the next thing we're talking about is temperature limitations. It says type SE service entrance cable used to supply appliances shall not be subject to conductor temperatures in excess of the temperature specified for the type of insulation involved. Okay, so you're supplying some appliances, um, and they shall not subject the conductors to a potential temperature rise or temperature value that exceeds that of the insulation rating. Okay, um, should not be a concern, uh, but it's just things that you have to be very much aware of, okay? Now, here's the big one. We're going to get to B4 here, and we're going to talk about the use of SE cables for branch circuits and feeders. So these are the installation methods. And there has been a, a bit of a change for the 2020 NEC. In fact, if you've got your 2020, you'll notice that it's it's all grayed out. And it's all grayed out because it's kind of been a, a bit of a change in, in not only the formatting structure, but some of the requirements. So let's let's read each one of these so that we get a, a better. Now, what we've got is you have an A and you have a B. A is predominantly dealing with interior installations, whereas B is dealing with exterior installation. And I'll remind you, we're still under .10. So this is all having to do with uses permitted. So let's talk now. Let's shift gears into that interior of the building. I talked about using SER. I've talked about using SEU to supply different types of loads, 
inside of the interior of the building. So we're very much going to be installing it pretty much like a non-metallic sheath cable. I mean, other than the fact that NMB uses paper and SE cable uh, style U or style R uses a fiberglass reinforcing binder, other than that, the interior conductors are going to be very similar and except that the fact that NMB can use THHN or THW or anything equivalent to that as far as testing goes, typically in SE products, you're going to either be using THHN, THWN-2, or it's going to have XHHW-2, which is a thermoset cross-link polyethylene type of insulation, okay? Uh, which, again, we can go into another episode where I explain all the differences between Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thermal set. Thermoplastic. If you're interested in that topic, we can do that. All right. Now. Let's kind of of, of read this information. So what we have is we have three items to concern ourselves with if we're going to install SE cable inside of a building. Uh, Number one, it says, in addition to the provisions of this article, which is obviously 338 and all the rules that we just covered, it says, type SE service entrance cable used for the interior wiring shall comply with the installation requirements of Part 2 of Article 334, excluding 334.80. Okay, so get this question a lot. How come 338 is not very big? Well, it's not very big because it's going to direct you to other areas in the code for installation. In this case, it's sending you and telling you to install it just like you would for a non-metallic sheath cable. Follow all the rules under Part 2 except for 334.80, because 334.80 is dealing with the ampacity of non-metallic sheet cable when it goes through board holes that are insulated and things like that, or the multiple cables bundled together. It has its rules. Well, that's okay. 338 says you know, follow the installation, but when you get to the ampacity part of it, ignore that part and then come back here. 
So then you get to come back here and we're going to get some guidance for the installation of SE cable. So then that takes us to item number two. Now we're ready for that guidance, right? We're installing it in accordance like we would NMB, following all the rules in part two, because it tells us that we have to, ignoring the ampacity part of 334.80, which then takes us back here. And that's where we get to item number two. Now, item number two says, where more than two type SE cables containing two or more current current conductors in each cable are installed in contact with thermal insulation, caulk, or ceiling foam without maintaining spacing between cables. The ampacity of each conductor shall be adjusted in accordance with table 31015C1. All right, so what we're saying here is, even if I got an SEU, which you know is just two hots, and basically if you're using it on the service side, it's two hots in a, in a neutral. Um, but when you're using it for the interior, you're using it as a hot, two hots maybe in an equipment ground or a hot in a neutral and an equipment ground, okay? That's how we'd be using it interiorly. Now, in a circuit where you have a hot in a neutral and an equipment ground, just like with NMB, what you've got is you've got a situation where you've got two current carrying conductors. The black and the white, respectively, are both going to be current carrying. Right, goes out. What goes out has to come back to keep it simple without getting too deep. So that is what you're dealing with. Those are current carrying conductors. So there's at least two. So that qualifies here. Um, if I have an SER, then I might not. I'm still going to have at least two. Right. I say I got a black, a red, a white, and a bare equipment ground. Well, if I've got the black and the red, I've got at least two current carrying conductors. Now, in that case, the white's you know, not a current carrying conductor in a typical 120 volt application. We'll keep it simple. Then the white would not because it's carrying the imbalance between the red and the black. So any case you're dealing with, you're going to have two current carrying conductors. Okay. So again, up front. Now, what this is talking about is bundling. All right. And it notice that it says in contact with thermal insulation. Okay. Not running through, okay, not embedded. It just says in contact, whether it's laying right beside it and it's just barely touching it, okay? If it's in contact with thermal insulation, caulk, or ceiling foam without maintaining spacing between the cables, and of course, we're not going to give you any guidance on that spacing. You know, you can argue that, well, what happens if I just separate them an inch? Well, then that's spacing. Okay, but I'll let you worry about that with your AHJ. So anyway, what it's saying is here, okay, if that's the case and I'm bundling and I've got more than two type SC cables that have two or more current conductors, which the most all will, then I'm going to have to do adjustment and corrections in accordance with 31015C1. Okay, and then that's based on the number of conductors. Okay, so let me, let me give you a scenario. Let's say I have three SE cables, three SEUs, okay? They're in contact with thermal insulation, and they're not maintaining any spacing. When I go to table 31015C1, how many conductors am I going to have to do an adjustment for? Four, uh, six, right? You've got two in each, two, two uh, ungrounded conductors, or hots, if you will, in each one of those cables. So I have six ungrounded 
conductors that are current carrying conductors, and now I have to apply an adjustment, which is going to lower the ampacity of that conductor accordingly to whatever the table percentage-wise. So that's what it's talking about. So you're advantageous to, to keep them separated. There's a lot of products that are there that are designed to, to fundamentally build in that separation, but you just need to, to keep all that in mind. And again, as I always say, if the insulation's rated for 90 and everything, then you can use 90 for adjustment and corrections as long as you don't exceed the ampacity value for the terminal limitation and everything. And that would be you know, in a 75 degree C in most cases. Um, but you're going to see something in the minute that kind of just gives more clarity on that. But again, way too much info for this episode. But just remember, any time that I have two, okay, more than two, so this is three and more, SE cables with two current carrying conductors or more in it, and again, that's going to be most SE cables, then I'm going to have to do some kind of adjustment unless I create a separation. Uh, And again, the questions that I get from people are, well, what is that separation? I don't know. It doesn't say it. It doesn't say one inch is fine, uh, but I would think you at least, to me, always separation's always been to me is the separation is the width of the cable. And again, I can't foundation that anywhere where do i get that theory from because of what we do in tray cables with the single layer and in separation and things like that but again it's not founded in here and anywhere um you can just have to you know figure out what that separation is all right so then you get to item three and item three is giving us a little more direction when it comes to ampacities and how we make those adjustments so here's what it says for type se cable with ungrounded conductors, sizes 10 gauge, 10 AWG, and smaller, were installed in contact with thermal insulation, the ampacity shall be in accordance with the 60 degrees C. So it's very much like non-metallic sheath cable if it's in contact with thermal insulation. It also goes on to say the maximum conductor ampacity rating shall be permitted to be used for adjustments, uh, for ampacity adjustment and correction purposes, if the final ampacity, and that is after the adjustment and correction, does not exceed that for the 60-degree rated conductor. So, layman's terms, I can use the 90-degree if the insulation is rated on the conductor is rated for 90. I can use 90 ampacity values in 310.16 for adjustment and corrections. Once I get that value after the adjustment corrections, it may be higher than what's in the 60-degree column, but my load cannot exceed the value that is permitted in the 60-degree column. So all we're really doing is making sure that that conductor can still handle equal to or greater than whatever the rating is in the 60-degree column. And then I just have to make sure that my load doesn't exceed the value in that 60-degree column. So remember... Adjustment and corrections is just a matter of confirmation that your conductor still has adequate ratings. That's really all it is, okay? So the key purpose here is that most of the time, SEUs and SERs and all that are going to be rated higher than 60. They're going to be 75. Although this directive tells you, hey, if it's 10 or smaller and it's considered SE cable, you're going to treat it like NMB. It's basically the easiest way to remember it. You're going to treat it just like NMB. It's going to be the 60. 
Now, it does tell you you can use a 90 for adjustment of corrections, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you can't exceed the values in the 60. So I tell people, do the validation, but just make sure you're not exceeding. The load does not exceed that of the 60-degree column, and you're going to be fine. Okay? Now, over 10, 8-gauge and larger, for example, you can use it at the 75 or whatever the rating is of the actual cable, remembering that you're still going to have terminal limitations in 110.14C1. Okay, so for all intents and purposes, usually it's 75 degrees C is what the SE cables generally are rated for. And we know the conductors inside of it are probably rated for 90. Right. So, again, with terminal limitations, then you're going to be firmly planted in the 75 degree column. So uh, that's where you're dealing with. And if you don't understand adjustment and corrections, then I encourage you to go watch my video called Derating Demystified. And derating demystified will explain terminal limitations and sizing and all that stuff in extreme detail. Okay. All right. So there we go. We've covered that. Now let's go to the exterior. So in an exterior installation, it says, in addition to the revisions of this article, obviously, we've kind of covered all those prior to this point. It says, service engine cable used for feeders or brand circuits were installed as exterior wiring. Okay shall be installed in accordance with Part 1 of Article 225, which 225 is feeder and branch uh, outside applications, okay? Uh, feeders is 215. So when you get to an outside application, you kind of throw on top of it all those rules under 225, and that applies to both brand circuits and feeders. So that's all this is saying is follow those rules in Part 1 of 225 because it is an exterior application. Okay, and then it reminds us, and this is where we kind of picked this up for the 2020 because it was kind of absent. It says that the cable shall be supported in accordance with Article 334.30. Okay, Um, so we we pick all that up, and it's just reminding you that you still have your securing support. You have all those rules that are in 334.30. So follow the rules in 225, pick up the supporting rules, in 334.30, so you kind of know what you're doing, and you're going to be okay, and you're going to use it outside. And then, of course, you can use it based on its rating, okay? 75-degree rating, okay, it's obviously not going to come in contact with thermal insulation. Not that it would matter because that's an interior installation. We're talking exterior. And the next one is item number two, and that's dealing specifically with USE. It says type USE cable. Installed in underground feeder and brand circuit cable uh, shall comply with part two of article 340. And of course, 340 is dealing with UF cable. Uh, and so, again, you're going to get some direction there, and you simply got to follow the rules that are in part two of, and that's going to be the installation parameters for 340 for UF, and just follow those rules, and you're going to be okay for uh, USC products, okay? Now, there is an exception to the rule, and the exception says single conductor type USE and multi-rated USE conductors shall not be subject to the ampacity limitations of Part 2 of Article 340. And why does it state that? Because the Part 2 ampacity limitations of 340 is very similar to what you'd get, in, for example, in a non-metallic application for NM, you know, NMB or something like that. So basically it's saying, oh, for USE, ignore that and just follow the ratings based on whatever the temperature rating is 
of those products and utilize 110.14C1, for example, for terminal limitations like you would any other single conductor and just ignore the, the part two part of Article 340. That's all it's saying. Just ignore that part. All right, so now we get up to uses not permitted, 338.12. Now, this is broken into an A and a B, and we're getting close to the end here, so hopefully you hung in there with me. So use is not permitted. Let's look at A. So we're talking about service entrance cable. So type SE is pretty much this one, and here's what it says. Service entrance cable shall not be used under the following conditions or in the following locations. So we have conditions and locations in this one. Number one, we're subject to physical damage unless protected in accordance with 230.50B. And, of course, that is talking about putting it inside of some kind of protective sleeve, uh, rigid, intermediate, Schedule 80 PVC. So if it's in a location where it's subject to physical damage, then you have to protect it. So it's not prohibiting it from in those locations. It's just you can't run the cable itself because all it's got is a is a 30 mil sheathing on it. You have to protect it if you're going to use it. So you can't use it. We're subject to physical damage. But if you sleeve it, then you're okay. Now that brings us to the next question. A lot of people think um, that you cannot run SC cable in a raceway. That's not true. You can do it for physical protection. And you could run it in a complete raceway assembly if you wanted. You just have to remember if it's a complete assembly, means that a raceway is in a fitting on each end and it terminates to a junction box or an enclosure, then you're going to have to do raceway fill and treat it as a single conductor and not exceed 53% fill. And, of course, you get that in Chapter 9, Note 1, and the various notes. I think it's Note 9. Don't hold me to that. But, anyway, you've got rules you have to follow, Okay. So it's just reminding you of that. But could you put it in a raceway? Absolutely. In fact, the code's even telling you here that it's okay to put it in a raceway. Now, the next one is probably the biggest one uh, that people ask me about. They say, well, SE cable is designed for wet location. How come I can't put it in a raceway or how come I can't direct bury it? Because one, you can't because the code says in item number two here of 338.12A2, It says, underground with or without a raceway. It wasn't evaluated for it. If you go look at the UL listing on this product, it very distinctly talks about above-ground application, okay? Not a below-grade type of application. So, um, for example, um, Uncle Wire has a new product out called the Hybrid Cable. It's a hybrid. It's tray cable and it's SER type cable, which can be installed directly in the ground. So you're using it as a trade cable when installed in the ground, but once it gets into a building, it transitions back into an SER cable. So you might want to check out your local Uncle Wire rep and inquire about their new hybrid cable because that's a really neat product to be able to make transitions. Of course, I'm also the patent holder of that product, so I don't make any money on that patent, by the way. But again, it it came out of the, the necessity to have a simplistic approach to transitions. And that's what that product came out. And Uncle Wire is the only one that has it. So check them out. That's uncoolwire.com. All right. So the next one is 338.12A3. And it says, okay, we're, we're still in use is not permitted for SE cable. It says, for exterior branch circuits and feeder wiring, unless 
The installation complies with the provisions of Part 1 of Article 225. Again, we're talking exterior. We already have that rule under the use of permitted. So we, we understand we got to follow those rules. And is supported in accordance with 334.30, which we should already know that because that was under the use of permitted. So we got it. It says, or is used as messenger-supported wiring as permitted in Part 2 of Article 396, which is dealing with messengers. So you can use an SE cable exteriorly outside supported on a messenger, which is another neat use of the product from, say, building to building application, like the SER. So you do have some allowances here for other uses of a, of a product like this. Okay, so again, this is, you know, it flat out tells you you can't use it for exterior brand circuit feeders, but then it turns around and says, yeah, but you can if you install it in accordance with 225, part one, you install it and secure it in accordance with 334.30. It says, or you're using it as message supported wiring as permitted in part two of article 396. If you do it with any of those, then you're golden. Go for it. Okay. Now, let's look at USE uses not permitted. And this is the big ones here. So, ungrounded, under, excuse me, underground service entrance cables, USE, shall not be used under the following conditions or in the following locations. So, we have three here. Number one, and this is the biggie, for interior wiring. So, I get this question a lot. Can I take USE-2 from the utility under a building, which is considered outside of the building, meeting all the requirements of 230.6, it's outside, under the slab, it's out of the building, can I take it and then turn it up into a building? And the answer to that is no. If it enters and penetrates the building, it can't be in the building because it is part of that interior wiring. That's why you want to have a multiple-use product. That's why you want to be able to have it transition as RHH or RHW-2, for example. So you'll see that on the wire. It should have multiple listings on the wire. And if that's the case, then you're good to go. Okay, But by itself, USE or USE-2 cannot be used at any part for interior wiring at all. Can't enter the actual shell. Uh, the next one is item number two. It says, and again, we're talking use is not permitted. It says for above-ground installations except where USE cable emerges from the ground and is terminated in an enclosure at an outdoor location and the cable is protected in accordance with 300.5D. Okay, so it's being protected as it emerges from grade uh, and it's outdoors. And of course, you've got to go from underground to above ground in order to facilitate the termination. Now, again, the only part of this that throws that out the door is when it transitions and it's again multi-rated product so that's the reason why manufacturers make a product that's not just USE-2 and it's still out there still available but it's just not the preferred because you really want a product that has multiple ratings one because you can use it for multiple applications and that's what we're all about we don't want a one and done and it sits on a shelf it's nice to have a product that can be utilized for more than just one application, right? So you got that. And then number three, it says you can't use USE as aerial cable unless it is a multi-conductor cable 
identified for use above ground and installed as messenger-supported wiring in accordance with 225.10 and Part 2 of Article 396. Okay, so utilizing it, identify for above-ground use, uh, that means it has to be evaluated for that because this is typically a below-grade product. Uh, But one of the things I will tell most people is that if you get a product that is multi-rated, so that it has RHH, RHW-2, as well as a USC-2, then because it, it has the RHH, RHW-2, uh, there's a high probability that it also has UV ratings on it, and you can validate that. And again, if it has UV ratings on it, it's for exposure. Um, so check with your manufacturer on that. Um, but typically looking for it to actually say above ground, I think most manufacturers, in order to meet this, they could literally add that language to their legend. And it would be okay because it is going to have flame retardant properties on it as well. And not to mention, um, again, it's uh, the thickness is usually much thicker than single insulated conductor like an XHHW-2, which is also a thermal set. It's just thinner uh, than you would be with a USC-2, RHH, RHW-2. Okay? So check with your manufacturer. But again, this is giving you some leeway. As long as you, it's a multi-conductor cable and it's identified for above ground. So identifying it means the manufacturer would simply have to identify. It doesn't say listed for it, okay? All right, anyway, that's a little nuance there. I'm not going to say that's a manufacturer's thing, but just think about that. Let it sink in for a second. Uh, Something that's identified for something. Anyway. So the next thing we'll end on, and because we're not going to go into the construction requirements, that's pretty much taken care of by the manufacturer. Uh, we're going to talk about 338.24 and end it on that, and that is bending radius. Now, type SE cable and SEU, pretty much people are familiar with single conductors. There's nothing in the National Electrical Code, unless you're dealing with uh, over 1,000 volts, that has a maintained bending radius when it comes to single conductors. The manufacturer will give you guidance. So if you contact us, we'll give you a five times or six times or seven times or whatever the diameter of a conductor is a maintained so you don't damage the insulation. Uh, We're going to provide that. You're not going to find that in the code. Now, if you're dealing with over 1,000 volts, you do have some guidance on maintained bending for individual conductors. You really don't get that, okay, here. So what we do is USC... Dash two is typically treated as a cable, as same in, in, as you would for the SE cables, U and R. We'll treat those as cables for bending radius purposes. And here's what the code says. It says bending of type USE and SE cable shall be so made that the cable will not be damaged. Okay, so that's the first rule. Um, it can't elongate. It can't crack. It can't. Uh, show evident signs of damage. I can tell you a lot of times when you bend insulations or sheathings too much that it'll it'll start to opaque out at the bend, which means it's weakening the, the insulation at that point, stretching it out, elongating it out, which is, is evidence of damage, okay? Uh, anytime you take a specific thickness, even with some tolerances, if you start elongating it out, it's not as thick as it's supposed to be. And even though we do what's called industry average as a manufacturer, you can damage the installations due to install. And so you want to keep that in mind. So, again, it says don't damage it. And then it says the radius of the inner curve. 
Okay, we're talking about the inner edge of it, the inner part, not the outer, but the inner part where the bend starts and where it ends. Okay, so like it's going straight up and turning a 90, it's the point where it starts up and where it begins its bend to the point where it ends its bend and goes back to horizontal. Okay, that's your interior. It's kind of like wrapping it around a soda can or a tennis ball or a baseball and things like that. So it's that inner diameter that we're worried about. It says the radius of the curve of the inner edge of any bend during or after the installation. So even after it's been installed, you know, what's there is the final product shall not be less than five times the diameter of the cable. Okay. So in this case, when we say the, di- you know, the diameter of an SE cable, we're going to take the, the, the actual widest point. But when we're talking about an SER, it's a simple the diameter of the cable assembly itself, which is available from the manufacturers. They have product cut sheets that will give you these values. So, again, you don't have to get a mic out and, and try to measure it yourself. The manufacturers can help you here. That's what they're there for. And you just have to make sure that you aren't bending it less than five times the diameter. So you don't need tight bends. We want more smooth bends. We want more uh, curved radius bends. We don't want to be right angles, okay? Some people, it looks very pretty. They think the right angles look really good. But depending on the cable assembly you're dealing with, it can violate that maintained minimum radius bending of the interior portion, and that can be a problem because it can damage conductors. It can splay out um, uh, stranded conductors. It can cause cracks in the insulation, uh, it can cause sheathing to tear. So just be careful. Again, bending-wise, you get very little guidance for individual conductors in the NEC, but you do get cable guidance when treated as a cable. And the other thing to remember is if I'm taking something like a URD or I'm taking something like a, a UDC, which is essentially the same thing, and I'm bending that cable assembly, um, it's the same aspect of it, you're going to go from the outer diameter to outer diameter of two of the conductors. So you're going to get the full diameter across the actual swath, if you will, of the cable. And you just do that times five, and you have to maintain that bending radius or greater. If you want it to be more kind of relaxed type of bend, that's fine. But we just don't want to bend it really tight, okay? Um, it, it could affect the insulation and again, create problems. And if you elongate out the conductive material, you could create a hot spot, whereas you just don't have good current flow. Okay. So anyway, that's our episode for today. Try to keep it at an hour. That should really be everything that you need to know about SE cables. Um, again, that's uh, talking about the use of an SER for remote distribution panels or for, for dryers and ranges where you have grounded and grounding. So you have that separation uh, SEU to be used for, you know, applications where you might have a hot and neutral in an equipment ground, or you got two hots in an equipment ground, uh, maybe an, an air handler that doesn't have a neutral or something like that, then it might be a, a use for that. Just follow the rules within 334 if you're using it interiorly. If you're using it exteriorly, got to follow the rules in 225. Got to also follow rules in 340. Um, we talked about ampacities and being very aware that if it's 10-gauge and smaller SE cable used indoors, then it's 60-degree temperature limitation, just like NMB would be. Uh, and if it is 8 and larger, then you can use the rating of the cable, and manufacturers make cables that are either 75-degree rated, and on a rare occasion, might even be 90. 
But again, it doesn't do you any good if it's 90 if the terminals are only limited to 75. So great stuff. Hopefully you got something out of it. Till next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.